Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. We should do PG horror movies at one point. I got House on my list. I love that movie. Is that the one about the writer that moves into the, uh, you know, he inherits a house or something? Yeah, and his like kid disappeared in the pool. Not drowned, just disappeared. Because they make PG-13 related kids horror. I don't know. House is rated R? Since when? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember that being PG. I don't remember it being R. I thought it had a lower rating. All right. Never mind. I'm wrong. All right. So welcome back to another What Have You Seen Lately? This is volume number what? Six. Wow, you got it. Cool. It's because it's written at the top of this screen. Oh, yeah. My bad. Kind of takes some of the wind out of my sails, but you know. Okay, so what have you seen lately? Volume six. Why don't you go first this time? I like asking it though. It's fun. Yeah, but then I always go first. I know. What have you seen lately? I've watched a lot, starting with your recent recommendation and a movie that I've loved anyway Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Right, right. Probably one of the best black comedy type movies ever up there because it's not at any point really a horror movie it's playing on the trope of like rednecks killing like teens out on like a vacation but the whole time these two dopes are just like minding their own business and these kids are accidentally dying as a result of their own actions it was a good example of like a movie being meta without being too meta like they never break the fourth wall but they obviously are poking fun at the genre well they do break the fourth wall because there's some times where they like give you exposition as to what happened. Well, yeah, like, break the fourth wall means specifically they're like talking to the camera or making like a reference right, to themselves. I guess, I guess. I mean, it just felt more like it was being played directly. Well, it is being played directly to the audience. Like when they go back to like the, the scene where they're, they're ordering shit. What do you mean? Later in the movie. Like they go back to when they're like ordering supplies or whatever to show the college kids side of it. Because they do like both. Or do they do it all at once? I don't know. I think they do it all at once. Because... I felt like that was two separate scenes still. Because he's like, like, you need to have confidence. You need to go over and talk to that girl. And then for some reason, he decides to take like a scythe with him and like walk over slowly and like bang it on the ground. Hey, listen, whenever you have a lack of confidence, the best way to approach anything is with a weapon in hand. It'll always give you more confidence. And remember, just laugh at whatever she says. Yeah, man. Whenever he, for this is all for out, all the shy men out there that have a hard time talking to girls. Always bring a weapon and always laugh while you're talking to them. You're going to get so many people arrested. (laughs) 
<laughs> there's just some dude walks up to a girl laughing while holding a gun. And he's just like, you're real purdy. I was thinking like a corkscrew, but yeah, that works too. <laughs> I brought this. This is my confidence. My confidence gun makes me feel real big about myself when I have. Tucker and Dale was actually a pretty sad movie. Because when you think about it, it was like these two guys just wanted to have a slice of the good life. They wanted to go to their vacation home. And then they just get tortured by people judging them and persecuting them for who they are. Well, I mean, if anything, they're the victims in the movie anyway. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's on top of the fact that like it could have just as easily just gone and been like a ghost movie because they bought a house where like serial killings happened. But they're so oblivious to it. There's this whole like wall of newspaper clippings and murders and all the guy sees is like the coupon for buy one, get one free hot dog. Yeah. And I mean, like out of all of it, all of the things that were wrong with the house could have easily just been booby traps. <laughs> like the board with nails that swings down like. I don't understand how that made sense, like, structurally. I mean, those were a lot of nails, so you'd figure whatever it was connected to, it wasn't going to come out, and yet. Anyway, what's something you've seen? That's it? What's your favorite uh, joke or kill or quote from Tucker My and My favorite part is right after the kid jumps into the wood, chip, or wood chipper, and the other kid spears himself, and they go inside, and they're having the conversation where Tucker comes to the conclusion that there must be a suicide pact because all these kids are there killing themselves on his property. <laughs> That's my, yeah, my favorite part is actually tied into that discussion where later he's like, well, Jesus, what am I supposed to say? Oh, sorry, officer, we're, we're just here doing our vacation home, cleaning up around, and all these kids just all of a sudden start killing themselves all over my property. And then the cop shows up and he's like, officer, we are having a doozy of a day. <laughs> well, I mean, well, it's also like the part, like that part where they're having the conversation and he's like, I was just over there minding my own business. This kid just comes and jumps headfirst into the wood chipper. Is that your blood? And he's like, no, no, no. Something like that happened to me. This kid came in and speared himself right in the gut. Died right on top of me. Like, And he's like, no, it's college kid it's blood. college kid blood. Yeah. yeah the fact that they just refer to them as college kids. Like, they don't know how old they are or where they're from. College kids. That and, um, and I think the first kid that dies, that's probably one of the best ones too. Because he comes back and he's like all stung by bees. And he's like. Man, your friend must have been real allergic to bees because he was running like the Dickens, too. It's like, that's not why he's running. Yeah, he thought he was getting chased by, like, a chainsaw-wielding maniac. But I think he realized when he saw the bee, but he was already in the process of dying. I mean, to be fair, like, why would, like, if you were running from bees, I would have dropped that chainsaw. That was just as dangerous for him. Billy, you're part hillbilly, too. <laughs> no! It was like when, you know, Luke finds out Vader's his dad. But like, or they have to have like a, a social mediation uh, intervention thing and make the two talk oh to each God. other. Like they've been like attacking each other this whole time, chopping people's fingers off, killing themselves, and then the whole thing gets thrown off when his friends come in and attack the people because that then reminds him that they're bad guys. <laughs> like, it's like this is what. The, I mean, those kids were very, very proficient at killing themselves. The one that was like super over the top was when the kid was trying to point the sheriff's gun at them and he's like no no you gotta take the safety off and the kid's like like this the other guy's like why did you tell him to take the safety off like what were you <laughs> i was just trying to be helpful i'm sorry yeah. uh, well, i actually saw which one which one's tucker and which one's Dale? tucker is uh pirate steve okay 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 <laughs> that's the only other thing i know him from is dodgeball which i know him from other things but that's like the one that always sticks I, yeah, that's what I call him too. But um, the other guy, actually, I he's been in a bunch of weird, like, '90s stuff. I saw him in a Goosebumps episode where he played like the uh, 
older cousin that was there when these kids came to stay at the farm and there was like an evil scarecrow. Really? He had like bleach blonde hair and like a soul patch, I think. I don't remember that. I've seen him in a lot of things because every time I see that he's in something, I'll watch it. Like I just found out he's in another movie about escape rooms I'm probably going to check out, which is like another, I guess, like black comedy horror type thing, maybe. Or maybe it's just a horror. I'm assuming it's not since he's in it. I watched one with him that I wanted to watch because he was in it and it was just really bad. It was called like Cozy Cottage or something, Country Cottage. Oh, yeah, with um, with the, the girl from Watchmen yeah. and from The Final Girls. Yeah, that one was like super disappointing and everybody in it was kind of a dick. It wasn't that it was even bad. It was just that it had like that Judd Apto effect where like you think they're like the commercial's real funny and then the movie is actually just real sad. And you're, like, you're not you're not set up for that. You're like, this is going to be real funny. And it's like this man who's just being beat by his wife the whole time. It's like, oh, my fucking God. It's like the same thing that happened when people rented uh, that stupid Adam Sandler movie Click. And then they were like, why was this movie so yeah. sad? My kids cried for four hours. It's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, <Ed. laughs> that's what was wrong with that one. Like, that's why I usually don't like Judd Apto movies. Like, because so many of them set you up like, oh, it's going to be funny. And then you're like, there's nothing funny about Knocked Out. Yeah, there was. There was that one guy who uh, they had the bet that he would never shave. So he was like, you're, you're, like, you're just calling Jesus it like jokes. one scene because I mean, a lot. What I know about that movie is anybody who actually got someone pregnant real young and then watched that movie during that exact time period in their life, it wasn't funny. That was me. But, that was me. It happened to me. <laughs> but what about when Jonah Hill says, "Why don't you take her to get a smismortion at the smismortion clinic?" <laughs> nope, nope. Not that wasn't in my mind <laughs> while I was watching that movie. Did you ever see uh, John Leguizamo's stand-up special called Freak, where he's like imitating his friend from high school, and he's like, man, it's cool. My father called me the little abortion that got away. It's cool. I get it. Um, yeah, I saw Freak, but it was so long ago, I can't remember anything from it. Remember when John Leguizamo was funny? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we should do the pest one day. The last thing I saw him in where he was cool was like Land of the Dead, and that was 2005. I don't even remember that one. That was the George Romero one with fucking like, uh, Dennis Hopper. No, it was a sequel. It was the one uh, with the big daddy zombie who was like the intelligent one, and they always played this music every Is time. Is that the he, one like, where they they started to like remember their past? Or well, no, they actually play off of that fact in all of the Living Dead movies, but it gets more pronounced as it goes through. Because in Dawn of the Dead, uh, they have the zombies doing what they remembered in life, right? Going to the mall, walking around stores. Some of them pick up tools or try to pick up the phone. Well, because that one had a story that was meant to be be. Well, no, I'm just saying he develops this concept throughout. Okay. And then there's that scene at the end of Dawn of the Dead where Steven, one of the main characters, dies. And he remembers where they built up a fake wall to block the entrance so that nobody would find it when they got in. And he starts bringing the zombies to it to knock it down. So he remembered that from his life. And Ken Forey's like, Steven's coming okay, when yeah, he hears the door. Yeah, but that's still different because the original one was literally just meant to be a parody on how people are zombies for commercialism. Like, it had like a whole deep meaning. That's I'm talking about the original Dawn of the Dead. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure about like a wall thing. No, no. They they built up a wall to block a stairwell so that if raiders came in, they wouldn't see it. They put up like like a little bit of wood, a little bit of paint. It wasn't like a full sheetrock wall or anything, but it looked real enough. Um, and then they were using the the vents to get in and out of the facility so that they could like sneak in. But then in Day of the Dead, the 1985 one, there's the character they call him Doctor Frankenstein, and he's running experiments on Bub, where he's trying to get Bub to be more. Um, Kind of like domesticated, basically. So he has, he like hands Bub a razor to see what he does with it. And Bub tries to shave with it. Or he'll hand him a telephone and he'll pick it up and put it to his ear. Or he'll hand him a novel and he'll start flipping through the pages. Then later there's that great scene where Bub, who was in the military before he became a zombie, picked up a gun and fired it. Nice. 
But then in Land of the Dead, they played this like interesting kind of orchestral music every time the character realized something new. Um, but there, there was this one zombie they followed around, and he was they called him Big Daddy. And he was like a guy that worked at a gas station. So they showed his zombie character walking around trying to gas up like a dead car. Like he still remembered that, that action. But then he makes little realizations throughout the whole thing. And they almost kind of represent it like the zombies are being persecuted by people because people are just driving by shooting them for fun when they don't have to. But um, John Leguizamo played this. Um, this movie actually did a lot with like socioeconomic status and like race stuff. Because Dennis Hopper, the whole concept of the city was that it was something green. Fiddler's Green, I think, was the, the place where all the rich people lived. And so even in this like apocalyptic setting, there were still one percenters. And um, John Leguizamo played this like seedy back alley guy that kept running like missions for Dennis Hopper's character, like, you know, unsightly stuff that he wouldn't want to be connected to because he was told that he would one day earn a spot in Fiddler's Green and be able to live up there. Those people. You know, the funniest eventually. part about your like realization of that and how that's weird is the fact that honestly, with less civilization, there would be more oh, of that yeah. because. No, you're you're right. That makes <laughs> sense. I just I guess I guess I just mean that people people fell back into that. Yeah. So I mean, but expensive. they're still like. Human race is built on greed and selfishness. But John Leguizamo played like the best character in this movie because he realizes he's disabused of the fact that one day he can be like one of them you know and he decides to just be like okay fuck these guys and then at one point he gets bit by a zombie on the hand and his friend's like man do you want me to do you want me to kill you or and he was like no nah, no nah, it's okay i think i'll i want to see how the other side lives it'll be all right he was like the first person in a zombie movie that was like you know what i want to be a zombie check this out i think i saw this in theaters when did this come out i actually i did too because i was never like the right age to see a George Romero movie when it came out in theaters. I was only like a year old when Day of the Dead came out. So this was like my only chance to see a George Romero movie like in theaters. I saw it like in the last week it was showing. When was this? Uh, I want to say 2005. The, yeah, it was I the one with Ozzy Argento. And, um, but that was actually a pretty good plot because it, it follows like they show a little bit more about the zombies in each George Romero movie. Like they develop as we see more of them. And this one took it to like, sort of the next level where they almost branched off into two separate civilizations at the end, like zombie and human. And fun fact, I was just reading this article the other day, because we all know George Romero sadly passed away a few years ago, but he was in the process of writing a new one that was like a sequel to Land of the Dead. And this one was going to be called Twilight of the Dead, but he never got to finish it or produce it or anything. So apparently they're actually making it into uh, a movie and his widow is overseeing everything to make sure it's done properly the way he wanted. So... Fingers crossed for that one. <laughs> All right, so what have you seen recently? I feel like I just talked for 20 minutes, bro. I know you did. That's why I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of what I've seen has been based off recommendations from you. That's why it's funny. Uh, oh, one, one, one that I watched the other day that was kind of funny. And I've never actually seen the original Salem's Lot or read it for some reason, which is weird because I pretty much read like every Stephen King thing. Um, but I just never had a copy of that. I watched Return to Salem's Lot which was just so bad. And the only person in it of note really was like Michael Moriarty, who the only thing I can think of him from was The Stuff, and I love the movie The Stuff. But um, Hey, that's my list of things that Amazon thinks I might like. Oh, it's amazing. It's great. It's like 1986, I think. It's a fun transformation kind of movie. Um, but it also had that fun quality of 80s movies like uh, Invaders from Mars, even though I know that was a remake of uh, the concept of like a kid being trapped in a nightmare they can't wake up from when adults won't listen to them. But Michael Moriarty plays like this guy who's also investigating 
the stuff and the story sort of parallels him and this kid who's also seeing something wrong with the stuff. The stuff. It's basically like like fluff, you know, like marshmallow fluff yeah. that's being sold, but like they pump it directly out of the ground. Like nobody knows what it is. So they like mark it as like a trademark secret recipe so they don't have to like list the ingredients or something. I guess this is like, you know, 1986, the FDA was a little different. No, it's still now. But, if um, you put natural on something, you don't have to list ingredients. Oh, well, that's what they did then. They pumped it directly out of the ground into like these oil tankers and then put it in jars and sold it to people and they didn't know what it was. Nice. But anyway, uh, in Return to Salem's Lot was what I watched with Michael Moriarty and he inherits like a house from his aunt somewhere up in Maine in Jerusalem's Lot, Salem's Lot. And then he gets there and it's like the vampires know who he is because he's like an anthropologist and they want him to write an anthropology book about their vampire civilization that they won't release for like 200 years or something. So it's like interview with a vampire, but like weird? Kinda. And then it turns into this weird thing where like they have humans that work with them instead of calling them familiars or whatever, they call them drones because they breed them specifically to like handle their day-to-day shit. And then... One of them, I don't know how long they were supposed to be there. I thought it was like a week, but this, he like fucks this girl in the beginning of the, when they first get there. And then she pops out later, like with like a belly, like, and our child will be a drone too. And he's like, no. And I'm like, I don't understand the passage of time here. Yo, speaking of, I feel like there could be like a good vampire movie. They don't do them anymore. That was like a totally nineties thing. Um, but they could do like a good vampire movie right now involving COVID because they wouldn't need to have the. The drone, daywalker, whatever you call it part, because it's just like, I had my food delivered. Actually, now, you know what? Copyright this. We're going to write a vampire movie about people using COVID as a vampire advantage to get their food delivered to them and then just eating delivery. I mean, like an Uber Eats vampire movie? Yeah, because I mean, also, those people are barely connected to like anything. They don't have a corporate office. Nobody's like waiting for them to get back. This would be great. What are they having delivered? The person. But, you know, it doesn't matter. They just order something and have Wouldn't a person. Wouldn't people start asking questions when the people start disappearing at the same address they were last known to have gone to? One, we have to come up with how they get away with it. Two, when it comes to, like, Uber Eats and DoorDash and stuff, those are all private. They're all, they're all what do you call it? Private contractors, essentially. They all work for themselves. There's nobody, like... Well, right, but there's a record of it, like, where they travel and stuff through the app. They Listen... It's a movie. It's meant to have plot holes. It'll be a bad B movie on purpose. <laughs> you know what? What's a good title for that then? What's a good what's a good eighties grindhouse type movie that would be like someone's eating a person? Like something like oh, like what's for dinner? Like something that would like be an eighties type title. You're for dinner. Kentucky fried person. No, never mind. We'll figure this out later. <laughs> Anyway, one of the ones that I watched recently, you already discussed, I watched Dr. Giggles because you brought it up and then it popped up and I was like, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, but this. part of my whole thing was like, don't watch but it. I did it. I did it. I did it though. <laughs> he, he didn't giggle as much as you sold it as that he was going to. I know you were trying to get me to watch The Dentist. That's not the one I watched. And I watched Freeway. I watched a bunch of movies this week. I, there, I, there's more, but I've like forgot. You got to write them down. <sighs> why so you don't have to remember freeway was to try and remember it was way different than i remembered and i definitely mixed up um what's the movie not charlie sheen's dad michael douglas where he shoots up his office oh uh falling down yeah for whatever reason i thought he was the person that keith or keith or southern in the place i thought it I like that exact version of him is who i imagined yeah. for some reason 
With like the glasses and the crew cut yeah, and the short yeah, yeah. sleeve button down shirt. And then when it was like Kiefer Sutherland, I'm like, okay, so this is like, this is just like the opening part. She like meets one creep and then I'm like, oh no, that's the guy. What the hell happened to my brain with this memory? Was it because both movies had F in the title? It's probably because I watched both movies on HBO probably in the same day as a kid. Once again, again. very little parental <laughs> oversight <laughs> onto what I watched. <laughs> There was, there was either no oversight or active participation of my parents to watch these things. <laughs> but just back to Return to Salem's Lot for a minute. Okay. It kind of had a fun plot. He impregnated this woman. But the weirdest thing about it was he has this kid that like he apparently hasn't seen in like five years. And the mother's like, this kid's such an asshole. Can you just take him and teach him to stop being an asshole? Kid's like 11 or 12. He's like smoking in the car saying, can we turn the fucking radio on or not? And the dad's like weirdly passe about everything. Like he doesn't really react to anything. He's just like, why don't you put that cigarette out? Maybe we'll turn the radio on. Even when there's vampires later, he's like, what makes you think I'm going to write this book for you? Not, hey, there's vampires everywhere. Not, I'm alarmed. Not, I'm afraid for my life or my son's life. Just like, well, maybe I don't want to do it. It was like everything, his, his like delivery was so deadpan, even in like the super stressful moments. But um, the kid was also being seduced by the vampires. They like convinced him that he can be a vampire. And it would be better for him to be a vampire as a kid. The dad's like, well, what do you mean you want to be a vampire? You'd be a little kid all your life. He's like so like chill about everything. I mean, that's a good point. Every time I see movies with vampire kids and I'm like, man, don't you ever wish you'd get older? They explain it though. The kid's like kind of brainwashed. He's like, no, if I stay this way, people will inherently trust me because I'm a child. I'll have the body of a child and the cunning of a man. I can better serve the collective this way. It was weird. I, just, I don't think I would want to be a child vampire. He was also getting seduced by like some weird 12-year-old girl in a bridal outfit, too. I'm not sure if they actually banged, but it was kind of implied. It was really strange. <laughs> the original Salem's Lot, is that the one with Rob Lowe? It was from like 1973. Never mind then. What's, isn't Rob Lowe in one? I feel like I tried to watch that I didn't watch. They might have remade it. I also remember trying to read Salem's Lot because, you know, every now and then I try and read Stephen King and then I change my mind. Like I don't... I've read like most of Stephen King's stuff, but like that one, I just never had a copy of it for some reason. I have a copy of like all this other shit, but never that one. I don't even know what happened to my copy because so, you know, where I get like I always make fun of him describing a sidewalk for like 10 minutes and all the cracks in it. Mm-hmm. That's the one I got it from. That's where that came from. It was in that book specifically, <laughs> like. Him just describing like the summer sun on like a sidewalk as it was cracking, and I was like, "Why is this twelve pages?" <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, it, as I've read books from him where it doesn't even start to get going with the plot until like a hundred pages in. Um, Two thousand four. There is a Rob Lowe TV miniseries. Okay, but the last thing I'm going to say about Salem's Lot is there was this great character that showed up, and I think he. Oh, that's what it was. He was like walking around the town showing pictures of a guy. And he was like, anybody know this guy? He might be a little older, might have less hair. And the kid's like, hey, that looks just like my school teacher over in this building. Do you want to come and check it out? It's nighttime. And the dad's like, hey, 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 are you trying to lure him over to the school to get killed? And the other guy's like, young man, that's not very nice. And he like grabs him by his neck and like, like Vulcan death pinches him and like pushes him into a chair. He's like, that's how you teach him some goddamn respect. And the dad's like, oh man, can I try that? And he goes over and grabs the kid too. And the kid's like, ah, and he's like, hey, I got it. I got it. Um, oh but it turns out the older guy is a Nazi hunter. Well, not actually, because later he says, I'm not a Nazi hunter. I'm a Nazi killer. 
Because apparently he just goes down to like Argentina and stuff and looks for former Nazis and murders them and stuff. And like one of them ended up as a vampire in Salem's Lot. And this guy was like the like firecracker in the movie. So you're like, oh man, I like him way too much. He's definitely going to die. And then later he like shoots one of the vampires in the face twice, but the guy's got like bullets stuck in his skull basically, but it doesn't kill him. So then the old guy like shoots himself and falls down. Like he shoots himself in the stomach and falls down. And then later he comes back driving a bus because he didn't actually shoot himself. He just, he's like, yeah, you fire a gun, you fall down. They don't even bother checking. So that happened there and it was great. (laughs) And they just drive off into the sun rise, I guess, at the end. What else have you seen lately? I, I did all three of mine that I remembered. Well, I told you that I watched Freeway and I told you I watched Dr. Giggles. Dude, Dr. Giggles doesn't need to be explained. All right. Well, I, I have a couple more things for my list. Um, I finally remember um, last week I talked about uh, watching Maniac Cop 1 and 2 on Joe Bob Briggs' last drive-in. And I finally got around to watching Maniac Cop 3. It's streaming on Prime. <laughs> Why are you still going on them? You did not sell them as good. They're not good, but Robert Zadar's birthday was actually today. He played the Maniac Cop, and he died in 2015, I think at a convention, actually. He was having chest pains and had a massive heart attack. But anyway, he is best known for playing Maniac Cop. Um, So I finally got to watch Maniac Cop 3, and it began the same way Maniac Cop 2 ended, of like Matt Cordell, the Maniac Cop's hand punching through his coffin, because they kind of bury him at the end, like they're finally laying his soul to rest. Um, but not really. He gets brought back to life by, I kind of missed why actually, to be perfectly honest, it wasn't a great movie, but he got brought back to life by some kind of like voodoo priest or something. That's really the main takeaway. There was an officer who was in the second maniac cop who was in the third one and she gets shot near the beginning of the movie, actually by the guy who played Rorschach in the Watchmen movie, who was just walking around chugging pills like they were shot glasses. That was kind of funny, actually. It's a confusing thing for about old movies that I never got. Just chugging and chewing on aspirin. Like, you're going to die. Yeah, no, he, he was just walking around, like, throwing him back. Actually, he didn't shoot her. He was going to shoot her. But then she, it turns out that the f- girl who ran the pharmacy was actually in on it and let him in. And then she shot the cop. But anyway, this woman's in a coma for, like, the majority of the movie. And the maniac cop gets brought back. But then they do, like, a weird Bride of Frankenstein type thing where he's like, I need this comatose woman to be mine. She will be my love. Nice. Because... Some the news nicknamed her Maniac Kate because they thought she killed the hostage, not that the hostage was actually in on it. So I guess it was the Maniac part that he was super into. Um, terrible movie overall. But one thing that these movies do really well, like the second Maniac Cop and this one, they have their fucking fire effects like on point, man. Like <laughs> in Maniac Cop Two, there's like a great scene where he goes all the way back to San Quentin Prison to kill the people that slashed up his face years ago. Like he breaks into the prison to do this. And one of the guys like throws some alcohol and like a lighter at him and lights him on fire. And he's on fire for like a good portion of the scene. And then another guy's on fire later. And I don't know if I talked about this last time, but there's a part where they like fall off the building and the stunt guys had to like hold their breath the whole time because you can't breathe in while you're like doing a fire stunt because you're going to scar the inside of your lungs and everything. Yeah. So they had to like fall off a building and hold their breath and land and hold their breath and wait for the fire crew to come put them out, which is like pretty intense when you think about it. And Maniac Cop 3 had a great scene where you think he's dead, but of course he's not because he's maniac cop and he's driving in a car. I think he's in a police car and they're in an ambulance, uh, Robert Davi and not the comatose woman, different woman. And Matt Cordell is driving the cop car next to them. And at some point they lit him on fire. So he's like driving this car next to them while on fire the whole time. 
And Robert Davi's like, I have a great idea. And he throws like an oxygen tank from the ambulance into the back seat of the police car. And he's like, now we just need to get away from him. And she's like, he's clamped onto the car. And he's like, what? And then they realize that like his arm is inside their car door holding on for dear life, like sticking the car together. <laughs> um, but he's like on fire the whole time. And then eventually they finally manage to get his hand free. The car separates, he blows up. And it's like, oh man, I wonder if there's going to be a maniac cop for, but then like, it was kind of badass, but I honestly can't remember if the girl did it or the guy did it. I think the girl did it, puts a cigarette in her mouth and then picks up like the maniac cop's severed arm, which is still on fire and lights the cigarette from the fire coming up off of the fingers. So basically it just harkens back to your favorite scene from Heather's. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about that <laughs> while I said it. I really like when people light cigarettes off of other people. That's, that's my thing. Well, and Robert Davi was in a lot of stuff in the 80s, but I think one of the things that was most memorable was when he played, do you remember the two Johnson FBI agents that were in uh, Die Hard? And one of them was white, one of them was black, and they, they were always like, Agent Johnson and Johnson, no relation. Anyway, both of those guys were in this movie at a diner together. And I was like, Johnson and Johnson together again. So the thing is, I never really watched Die Hard. Did you say you never watched Die Hard? Yeah, I don't think so. Like ever? Mm. How'd that even happen? Bad parenting. Why didn't you say this when I when I brought up Yippie Kaye, motherfucker, and the eighties catchphrase one? Bad bad parenting. That's weird that you just never <laughs> ended up watching that. Like honestly, the fact, it's just strange that it somehow you missed it. Okay. You should be ashamed of yourself, honestly. I, I'll look into it. I it's streaming somewhere. I think it's on Prime. So that's been What Have You Seen Lately, Volume 6. Um, I'd recommend checking out all the Maniac Cop movies, shotgunning all three of them if you want. They're not great, but they're an experience. You're really bad at this one. You're really bad at, like, for whatever reason, saying not to watch Dr. Giggles sold it for me. Okay, well, don't watch Maniac Cop. Yeah, do that. <laughs> don't watch any of them. You'll only be disappointed. And how awesome they are. I really have to watch them, too, because I... I know I've seen them, I just can't remember them, like, at all. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bearded B-Roll and look for us anywhere you find podcasts. Check out our website, beardedbroll.com, for info and links to merch. And remember to email us with ideas and suggestions at beardedbroll at gmail.com. I'm forgetting something. What's the last thing? Toodaloo. Check out our Discord. <laughs> you still made me say Tried it. Tried to make me say it. I did. I love you.